0: A lot to talk about this morning. A lot to go. A lot going on. Um, the, the if you weren't here for the first part of Lester's um, remarks, we are uh, planning on at the end of this year being debt free. It's one of those things like if you imagined yourself debt free, mortgage, um, auto bills, student loans, credit cards, you just imagined all that gone. The next thing you would think is, well, what are the possibilities? Uh, and that's kind of one of the things we, we're doing. We're dreaming and praying about that. One of the most beautiful things about this is this is not a plan that requires you guys for us to light a fire under you. You know, we, we were just saying, just keep doing it. You know, just keep doing what you've been doing. Um, we would never, and there's been a part of different congregations where you have to think, all right, well, this is a Sunday. I've got to ask them to give more. The elders sometimes ask the preacher to do that. Man, it's a tough spot for the preacher to be in. Like, Give more, you know, because you pay me. That's a real tough <laughs> spot. It's, it's it's it is an uncomfortable delimiter. Anyway, the but what's going to happen? Uh, this is this is my up my alley. I really enjoy this sort of stuff. But what's going to happen is if we pay the debt off early, we save. Twenty thousand dollars in interest, um, and once we pay it off, we um, the way we've been paying it, it frees up eighty thousand dollars the next year. So we're looking at like a total sum savings of about a hundred grand, and not the candy, the candy bar, but the like the, mon- the actual money. You know, the other plane was Powerball, and that fell through. I tried really hard. several tickets, praying about the numbers. That's not true.
1: Don't report that.
0: But, um, we've, we've been working, praying about this, wrestling with this for a long time, and you're seeing the fruits of it, and we are seeing the fruits of your, your generosity. So we would never ask you to give more. We just wouldn't. You, if, that's, if that's what you want to do, do it, we've never asked that of you. Um, you are generous and um, beyond beyond comparison. Uh also, after the sermon, Luxie, um, our friend from last week is going to give her life <coughs> completely to Jesus. Um, yes. <clears throat> I want to tell you a story about this. Luxie is. Um, I is going to break my record for the youngest person I've ever baptized. Um, now, the youngest person before Luxie was nine; so she beats that by two years. But I was going uh, back, uh, uh, a young uh, man came forward, nine years old, or not been eight. Um, but this was down in Texas, and uh, a woman came up to me between the time. That um we were going to um, but between the time we announced the baptism and the time we were actually going to do the baptism, the this uh, young lady had gone in the back and was uh preparing uh getting on the baptismal clothes and all that, and this lady came up to me and she said, That that young lady does not need to be baptized. And I said, Well what what do you mean? Baptism is for the forgiveness of sins, and that little girl doesn't have any sins to be forgiven. I said, "Well, if it'll make her feel any better, I can have her go out back and smoke a cigarette before she does." <laughs> because if that's the point, then let's get some sinning doing for these kids. We gotta have, let's enroll them in a program that has them sin a little before they get baptized. Forgiveness of sins is not the point of baptism. Following Jesus, being united with Jesus is the point of baptism. And a consequence of that is if you should the receive the Holy Spirit um, throughout your life. Now, to say that the purpose of baptism, to confuse the purpose of baptism with the consequences of baptism, is dangerous. Um, the purpose of baptism is to unite with Jesus, and we are going to do that in one Wells this morning. A consequence of baptism is that. Throughout your life, your sins are made, are forgiven by the grace and the, the, the your relationship with Jesus. So confusing those two is like saying, um, it's like saying, I got married because there was a cake. <laughs> Let's not confuse the purpose with some of the consequences. Lucky is giving is uniting with Jesus this morning, and we will celebrate every um, every moment of it together as a church. Now, here's what's great about um, this particular uh, church and this particular tradition. And I, I listen. I'm rough on the Churches of Christ. I am uh, at times because I love the Church of Christ. Um, it's part of my heritage, and I want to. Um, Letting it go on and exist and not, not, not critique or, um, even parody at times. Certain things would, uh, would not be love. That's letting someone just go and do what they please. Letting your kids just go and do what they please isn't love. Love is whenever you want, you want something for that person. And you, to love your kid is to bring them up and shape them. And so I am sometimes, I sometimes say things that the Church of Christ um, uh, might not want to hear because I'm part of the Church of Christ. But I want to take a moment and tell you why I preach. One of the main reasons I preach for a Church of Christ. Because um, there could be a question sometimes. People say, well, Benjamin, why in the world, if you're, if you're frustrated with this or if you think that we you think we could change here or there? you don't like this particular tradition? Why do you preach at a church of Christ? I preach at a church of Christ because our main creed, in theory, our main creed is Jesus. And that's it. Uh, if, you, if you grew up in a church of Christ, you might not even know what the word creed is. You you may think, Apollo Creed? Um, Creed is where you take a a set belief system and you say, well, this is our group goes by this set of beliefs. And what's great about the church, if you follow Jesus, is when we get to the matters of opinion, we get to matters of belief, we can say, well, if the Bible changes my mind, then I guess I get to change my mind. It's one of the most amazing things about my position. And you guys afford me this. That I get to study the Bible without being afraid that it will change my opinion. Now that doesn't happen in all churches of Christ. But it happens in this church of Christ. And I I am very thankful for that. That if I see something and I say, well, that's not what I've always believed. But it seems to be clear that what I've always thought is wrong, and this thing is right. I can then just change my mind. I don't have to go to a board, and I don't have to go. I just, I just change my mind. Now, some of you are tightening up and thinking, "Oh no, what has he changed his mind on?" Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's all bad But one of the old sayings that we have um, is, "It's helpful to look at Corinthians, actually the Corinthian church." to um, see where this can apply and maybe help us in the future. Because changing your mind is one thing. And that has always been like the big no-no, even in the Church of Christ. Duh, whoa, wait, you're thinking something different. That's not what we've always thought. But in the Christian Church, they had a difference of opinion... And they were claiming, each claiming, that their particular opinion was the right opinion. Does that sound familiar? And they said, well, my opinion comes from a leader, and that leader represents me. And so I follow this guy. Alright, so look at, the, look at the passage. This is how he opens up the, the letter. After he gives his greeting and his thanksgiving. He says, uh, I appeal to you, brothers, or brothers and sisters. This is brethren, this could be brothers and sisters. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, uh, the, the NIV here says all of you agree with one another. That's actually a pretty bad translation. And a lot of translations have brought it to agree because they're taking a phrase and trying to tell you what that phrase means phrase is simply, I want you to be of one voice. I want, you to, I want you to have the same voice. Now, this doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. It just means we, we line up with each other. We are united. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Now, what happens here, and this is, okay, let's tell the story of Corinth. Paul sends a, uh, is, in, in, is in Ephesus, and a group of people that he knows from Ephesus has, have traveled to Corinth, and they're Christians, so they meet with the church there. And they stay with this, one, this businesswoman named Chloe. Now, it, doesn't, it actually is unclear whether or not Chloe was a Christian or not. But at least the people stayed with Chloe. While these people are at the church in Corinth, they they notice some things, and the church of Corinth hands them a letter and says, "Are you going to Paul? We need some questions answered." And they get the, le- they get the letter. They, they get the letter. They take it back to Paul, and while they take and while they give the letter to Paul, they say, "And by the way, let me tell you what's really going on at that church." And so here's what their report says. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. One of you says, I follow Apollos. Again, it's not Apollo's creed. It's a... Same confusion. Okay, anyway. It's just funny to me, apparently. I'll move (laughs) on. Another says, I follow Cephas. Another. All right, sorry, we're in the South. Cephas. (laughs) Another, I follow Cephas. Still another. I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Has Christ been divided? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Now, when oftentimes, when we see divisions like this, it is our instinct to say, well, who is right? And this isn't Paul's instant. See, Paul was uh, was more in the camp of the Gentile Christians. Apollos was an Alexandrian Jew, a Jewish man who dwelt mostly in Egypt, uh, came from Egypt. Um, and then, uh, with that, that was Apollos. And, C- and Peter, Cephas, Cephas was, uh, was just a Jewish Christian. And so some people had kind of taken camps and said, "Well, I believe this way, and you believe that way." And they were starting to divide up. And he said, "Listen, it's not about following the right teacher. It's not about thinking like the right thinker." Is Christ divided? I didn't. I didn't you weren't baptized in the name of Paul, and this is one of my my favorite passages in all Scripture because it shows just Paul's. Um, Paul's talking out loud to someone who's writing this letter down and you can see that here more than just about any passage in the Bible, look what he says I, I thank God that I, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name yes, I, I also baptized the house of that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else it's <laughs> I didn't baptize any any of you except that guy and that guy. No, yeah, I guess that guy, but I I don't remember. For Christ, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There is a certain element of of all church groups where we say we've got it right and they've got it wrong, and ours our having it right, our righteous self righteousness, our having it right makes us better than that other group who, while maybe they don't have it wrong, they just don't have it quite as right as us. There's an element of that that just erases what Jesus did. It empties the the power of the cross. It empties the story of the gospel. Because what has the good news is that Jesus of Nazareth was the son of God. He died on the cross. They buried him and he didn't stay dead and now he's that's the good news. And so what we follow is not, we don't follow some line of thinking. We don't follow some creed. What we follow is Jesus. So the first, not inter- the first church, the, uh, the church in the late 1700s, early 1800s, the Church of Christ that eventually became the Church of Christ also uh, kind of divided up became the Christian Church, disciples of Christ um, had this saying: we have no creed but Christ no book but the Bible no law but love and no name but the divine now it's interesting to me about this a lot of these guys went on to write books some irony there and so, when you say no book but the Bible, I have to ask a question like, "Well, you, you don't read anybody that knows more about the Bible than you. You don't get informed about that." But the, the, the first little part, no creed but Christ, is not is is it, it switches thinking to acting. Oftentimes, what it, what what we believe. Divides Christians, like who's in and who's out, is what they think. And that's just not the case. If you are a follower of Jesus, you follow Jesus. That's not that hard to figure out. We would like to actually complicate it a little bit and say, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you believe this, and you believe that, and you also believe this thing and you understand the Trinity this way which that's, that's not really one of our things but that's all over the place you have this particular understanding of Romans 9 through 11 you have this particular understanding of Ephesians 5 you have this particular understanding of 1st Corinthians 15 you have this particular understanding of John well, wait let's stop for a second and erase the opinion let's erase the intellectual uh, gymnastics and follow Jesus do that just get rid of get rid of just the like the, the opinions that divide, the creeds that separate. Get rid of, well I, you know, I really follow the teachings of, of this particular scholar, or I agree with Calvin, or I agree with Wesley, or I agree with Martin Luther, or I agree with Spermian, or I agree with um, I don't know, some other theologian. Well, anyway, there's plenty. I was trying to think of a goof like Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck was the only one that was coming to me. That's a goofy theologian. Winnie the Pooh, an excellent theologian actually. Read Winnie the Pooh. He's fantastic. Um, But there's... It's not a matter of who you think like. Sometimes we say... Whenever the Corinthians were saying, I follow Paul, what they meant was, I think like Paul. When they say, I follow Peter, they say, I think like Peter. But the question of Christianity is not what you think. The call of Christianity is not what you think. It's a way of living. Richard Rohr has this wonderful quote in which he says, He says, Christian people, people don't think their way into a new way of living. They live their way into a new way of thinking. your instinct to forgive. It will not be your instinct to love. It will not be your instinct to show kindness and mercy and have patience. It will not be your instinct, but you practice that over and over again. Your actions will affect your thoughts. Your actions will affect how you view the world. You do it over and over again. Give, show me someone who, who every day since they were since they were ten, has gone out to a tennis court and hit tennis, returned tennis ball, served tennis ball, chased after tennis ball, and someone who has since every day since they were ten has read about tennis. And when both of those kids are sixteen, tell me which one will beat the other. may make an excellent uh, referee or line judge. I guess it's judge. May make an excellent excellent judge. But the kid who's playing tennis can actually do the sport. We've become referees and officials in Christianity. Instead of the ones actually playing the game. When we say Christianity is about what you think, Christianity is about the opinions you have We say the creed is the most important thing. No, life is. How does Jesus affect your steps? How does Jesus affect the way you interact with the people you don't like all that much? How does Jesus affect the way you treat people who wrong you? How does Jesus affect the way you act when you have been the one who wronged somebody else? This is not a, a call to think a certain way. And this is why I preach in Church of Christ, and this is why I preach in this particular Church of Christ. Not that every other church doesn't do this, but I don't have a line to tiptoe here. I don't. If you were in Bible class, you would know that. <laughs> what I've started doing in Bible class is just throwing out a thing that everyone disagrees with and just playing defense. Kind of It's fun. But what's beautiful about it is that we get to do it. Because the thing that's not, that, that's un, it's, it's not unimportant, but it's it's what's less important is, is our opinions. But the important thing is when we walk out those doors, when we go get in our cars, when we go eat, or we go home the way we treat our spouse says more about you as a Christian than what you believe about the Holy Spirit. So when we say no creed is Christ, we're not saying, well, I'm only going to think what Jesus thought. No, we're going to say, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever Jesus takes me. And that life lived is the point. Again, thoughts can be important. Thoughts can have influence. Opinions can be important. But how we treat the least of the is how you follow Jesus. So this week. You don't have to defend what you think. Just try this week. You don't have to defend what you think. You don't have to come up with an argument. You don't want to have to make any points. You don't have to say. Well here's my, here's my belief system. You're. You get a week off from that. With everything. Someone comes up to you and says, I'm really going to miss One Direction. You don't argue with them. Just say, oh, okay, good. Move on. (laughs) Don't argue about music. Don't argue about politics. You can go back next week, I promise. Don't, Don't go for thought analysis. Go for life analysis. Just follow Jesus this week. And do it the way Jesus did it, where he served and loved and showed mercy, and he sacrificed, and made him himself nothing, even though he was worth something. Jesus knew the sinners around him were wrong, but he ate with them. We say no creed but Christ we say we're, we're not we're going to have we're going to have thoughts going to have opinions but our main goal is not to have the right thought but to follow the right king I believe I believe sincerely that that king the resurrection of Jesus, the Nazareth, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer. Follow Jesus. You will have a really hard time today. You just will. It's rough. But it's worthless. Just like everything that's very difficult to do, it's very much worth the doing. you're free from proving your opinions. You're free from arguing the debate. This week, you get this week off. This week, take all of your energy and follow the one who calls you to follow We can have more than one baptism. We can ask if someone is ready to go. If someone wants to unite themselves with that king and follow that king today. Let's go. Today is the day you give yourself. Not to an opinion. Not to a new way of thinking. But it's to a new way of living. <coughs> to a new life to live under. To follow you need to repent, you want to give your life to Jesus, please come forward above the standards and all the same.